Hello, creeps. Welcome to the Horror Vanguard. I'll be your ghost. I mean host for today's exciting tale of terror. Wreck or stopping the zombie apocalypse one tenant's union at a time. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to week I stopped counting of quarantine. Uh, we are Horror <laughs> Vanguard, which you know that already. If you're listening to this podcast, it's probably not a surprise who we are. Uh, I am your co-ghost, Ash, joined as always by John. How's it going over there? Hey, I, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. We are, we are still here. We are still uh, doing what we do. We are still putting out putting out them some spooky some spooky podcast goodness and i am very excited to be talking about today's film yeah yeah this is really so when we were coming up with our list of like uh for for this pandemic miniseries we're sticking to just horror movies about infections and plagues and viruses and i think this this is one of them that that we both kind of like immediately were like okay we have to do uh 2007's wreck yeah absolutely uh, just a, a quick a quick plot summary. Uh, so Wreck is a 2007 Spanish film uh, about a woman named Angela Vidal and her camera assistant Pablo. They're filming um, Spanish. It's like a reality TV slash news program called While You're Sleeping. And mm-hmm. they cover kind of like third shift labor in Spain. Uh, they're, they're currently with the fire department. They go out and do a call. One thing leads to another and they get trapped in an apartment complex with a bacterial or no, it's an enzyme. It's an enzyme that causes people to become infected by demons. As, essentially. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's the plot. And then the Vatican has like a secret agent that's trying to extract the enzyme. And then that's, uh, there we go. <laughs> it, <laughs> that is the spark. It is... It is a really, really good found footage horror film. I love that it commits to the conceit. Everything is from Pablo's point of view. He's the he's the cameraman. The, um, yeah, and Pablo and um, it's Angela, isn't it? Pablo and, and Angela have this really good dynamic, especially in the beginning, because it's clear that maybe this is one of Angela's first kind of like big presenting jobs, doing this fairly like sticky. Here's what was happening in Madrid whilst you were asleep. Um, Magazine-style journalism. And so, like, in the opening half an hour, she's, like, a little bit giddy running around the the precinct with all of these uh, firefighters. And, you know, she keeps asking Pablo for advice on, like, how to frame shots and where people should be standing. And uh, does it look good? Does does, does this look good? And then then they go out on the call and then, then shit starts getting real tense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this movie, this movie is really good. I think for talking about uh, a couple very specific things about what's going on currently in the mm. pandemic that we're <laughs> we're living through. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to talk about was the media. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, this is this is a show or this is a movie that's got. You know, we did we just um we just released our episode on effects, and effects mm. is kind of like a very metatextual film. It's a it's a film about Huge a film thing. that's filming a film. And we have <laughs> something very similar here in Wreck because we have uh, some, like a TV crew making a TV show inside of a film about what's going on inside of the film. And it works really well, like you said, with the found footage thing. Uh, but what, what do you want to start with in terms of media and this movie? 
what I really find interesting is the way that Angela increasingly leans into the kind of civic, idealized civic role of what journalists are supposed to do. Um, the police turn up, they start sealing in the building, there are military people in, in hazmat suits out there. Um, and Angela, and they, they say, you know, you've got, to, you've got to stay away from the windows, do as you're told. And the police keep telling Pablo to turn off the camera, stop filming, you've got to turn off the camera. But what's what's really kind of uh, endearing about Angela as a character is that she keeps going, no, film fucking everything. Don't stop filming. We've got to tell people what happened here. Um and it's like, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great to live in a world where we had a mass media infrastructure that saw its job as holding power to account and documenting the many and colossal ways people in authority have screwed up managing something like this? Wouldn't that be good? I mean, that would be theoretically ideal. <laughs> but in contrast to to, to like uh, Angela and Pablo, who are you know, desperately trying to work out what's going on and are trying to document everything out of a kind of sense of uh, civic responsibility. This happened today, right? So we had probably the worst number of deaths in the UK from this. Um, But because the Prime Minister moved out of intensive care, the majority of the journalistic reporting on this was, isn't this great? Isn't this, you know, this is this is wonderful news. We're really pulling through this, and it's like, you know, over over nine hundred people in the UK died today. Um, and if we had a genuine media infrastructure that sought to hold power to account, we would be, you know, to quote this film, we would be filming fucking everything. We, we would we would be screaming about what's been happening. But the majority of the majority of the UK media is more interested in in kind of gleeful, sycophantic reveling about how great Boris Johnson is, um, and is covering up the colossal failures of of our leaders and the legitimacy and the lack of legitimacy in our political systems. By um, well, in the UK, it's clapping. There's a lot of clapping yeah. every Thurs- every every Thursday. It's time to clap. It's time to it's time to clap for for those doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals and and other essential workers who have for the last five to ten years been demonised by the press, uh, subject to pay cuts, precari- precarious employment conditions, the 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 restriction on their right to unionise and better their own material and working conditions. And I'm like, now you turn around and tell us to clap for them. Uh, you know how I show my solidarity for uh, frontline healthcare workers by never fucking voting for conservatives. <laughs> that's that's how I do it. <laughs> that that would be the best way to do it. So that's that's what that's what I that's what I was thinking when we were talking about the media in the context of this film, especially with you know what's been happening in the UK at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that I think that plays in the United States as well. Our media is. Um pretty pretty equally totally inept <laughs> it's just in different in different yeah. and, and exciting ways i think i'm another there's this kind of another part to this too and that's that we don't have good media literacy as a people oh no you know like, not like at people all. in the uk people in america canada like our media literacy is terrible we can't read the images that are presented to us and you like like every mm. every day on twitter like i'm just seeing people tweeting random graphs constantly 
and there's no there's no actual analysis of the information. It's just a graph with like we're doomed it over or something. And you need yeah. you need media literacy in order to actually be able to understand what the media is putting in front of you. You need to slow down your media intake. Like the story yeah, that broke absolutely. in the last 24 hours. Um, somebody flew a drone over Hart Island in New York City. Oh yeah, and, I saw this. It's, uh, yeah, it's like so. It's it's a bunch of uh, Department of Correction people digging mass graves. Um, but what's mm. not really getting talked about is the fact that Hart Island has been used as a potter's field for just years and years and years. There's over a million people, a million unclaimed dead interned in Hart Field or Hart Island. Yeah. Right. And like like there are definitely more people, uh, more unclaimed bodies being buried there because of coronavirus. But like it, it's being presented as if this is a new development, as if, as if New York just annexed this island to become a mass grave when like there's already a million people interred there, right? Like the media literacy uh, that, that is needed is being completely overlooked, right? Like Heart Island isn't just springing up as a mass grave. It's been a mass grave. And I think if we had a more aggressive media literacy, we could slow down our consumption. And instead of going like, oh, oh dear God, we're all going to die panic mode. We could be like, okay, well, it's been a mass grave for quite a long time now, but the horror is that we live in a society that necessitates things like a potter's field. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like, and that's kind of a really important distinction that I think Wreck misses out on. Um, yeah. And not, yeah, yeah. Not intentionally, I would say, because like, you know, you can't make a movie that covers everything. I just think it's incidentally beyond the scope of the film. You know, like, yeah. like, because it's it's entirely possible that, like, their their videotape gets out, gets shown to a wider audience, and then, eh, you know, it, it's, it, it can get washed away or quashed with the right discourse and the right lack of media literacy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, you know, if, if we were thinking of, um, you know, a, a contemporary wreck, you would have journalists outside cheering on the, the, the guys in hazmat suits. Oh, yeah. But... I think this what this raises is the kind of next point I know that we wanted to talk about um, was this idea that the relation like the, they're called to an apartment block they're called to a block of apartments because apparently uh, the way that this starts is that there is a woman who is trapped um, and of course obviously things unfold far quicker than that and things get much uh, less pleasant than that shall we say Um but but what happens when they first arrive is is it's clear that nobody really knows this person who's who's trapped. Like they're an older woman. Everyone goes, ah, she's a bit she's a bit weird. She keep we don't really know what's going on up there. Um, and nobody really knows one another either. And I know you had some kind of interesting thoughts about the way that this closed environment reflects some broader social conditions. Yeah, this was actually the part of the movie I found to be most interesting in terms of the, you know, COVID-19 and the quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, an interesting sidebar, the the woman that they originally get called the apartment for, the first person that's infected, um, her, her name is uh, Mrs. Izquierdo, which yeah. is Spanish for left. Ah. And I, I think that that is, is really interesting. You know, I think we could have some fun with that maybe in a longer episode. <laughs> but... What is interesting about this condition, right, is that no one knows the woman in the apartment complex. In fact, most of the people in this apartment complex don't know each other. They they know mm-hmm. they know superficialities, right? They know each other's names, maybe, and they know a little bit about it. Like they know she's an old woman, 
eh. Mm-hmm. No, nothing more beyond that. And then I think that this really kind of reflects a lot of the atomization and alienation we're currently going through because I really don't know anyone who actually knows their neighbors. You know, I've, yeah. I've, I know people who've lived in the same apartment complex for like 10 plus years and they don't know the people on the floor above them. You know, like, like the, yeah. these are effectively roommates you have, right? These are people you share a building with and we don't know the world around us. Mm. And we see this in rec. There, there is no community to speak of in, in this kind of apartment complex, right? These people don't know anything about each other. No. And, and like, so when things start falling apart, they, they continue doing the only thing they know how to do. And that's take care of themselves and look after themselves, right? They become isolated. They become afraid. They become hostile. And I think this is a reoccurring thing we kind of see throughout all of like zombie and like, you know, like, um, I'm like more broadly infection horror too. And like other horror that involves quarantine and distancing, you know, like when, when people don't know each other, when there's not that relationship, you get this massive isolation. You get people who cannot work together, who become violent, who become hostile because that's, that's the prevalent trend of the system. The prevalent trend of our system is isolation and hostility. And the only thing that overcomes that is, is interconnection and community. And I think like this is this is like the best part of wreck, right? <laughs> because like this is this is exactly what would happen if we were all walled into a building, you know, like like these these people are unable to work together, they can't figure stuff out, they 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 fight amongst themselves, and then like it just kind of precipitates their doom. Yeah, and and what we realize from this film, if we needed any more evidence, firefighters, absolute heroes, absolute I've I've nothing but the deepest respect for them. Um, the police officers useless, <laughs> as as all four movies do teach us. Yes, uh, absolutely useless. You you want to like just comp- uh, they they are cravenly cooperating cooperating with this medical military force outside the building that like the police officer who's in there immediately starts telling people what to do and kind of throwing their weight around uh and it's the firefighters who are still trying to keep organized and are trying to keep everybody safe and are trying to work out what's happening so so if you want if you want uh, a kind of damning indictment of the way that the social isolation often breeds competition it, it exacerbates existing class uh, antagonisms just look at that. Just look at that. <laughs> look at that uh, relationship yeah. between f- the difference between firefighters and police officers. And this is this is this is kind of what we 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 like saying on the podcast. Horror is a diagnostic tool. Rec, rec- <laughs> in two thousand seven is showing us what would happen under a much more severe quarantine than we are currently experiencing. Right. Yeah. And like absolutely. In, in, in that you know instructive discourse, it's also showing us the way out, the way to not have a wreck. You know, and that's to to actually build community, to get to know the people around you. And I don't even yeah. mean this from like a an organizational perspective. Maybe I secretly do. But like, this is literally just about knowing your neighbors, becoming friends with yeah. them, like reaching out and connecting. And do you know what that leads to? That leads to organizing. <laughs> Shh. Don't tell your landlord, kids. The, the, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it be cool to live in an apartment block where not only were you not strangers to one another, but you you knew what everybody's needs were, and that when uh, you could practice some mutual aid and hey, maybe even form a renters' union. 
Dun dun dun. That's just, like this is just, maybe Rec Rec Four, Rec Five. I I know we've got at least three Rec movies. I don't know what the, the next uh, one is like. Um, Rec Tenants Union. No, they're they're up to four. So I think we should pitch Rec Five, Tenants Union. <laughs> Let's do it. I, I think I think we could write this one. Um, but so to kind of keep this quick episode moving along. Um, so one of the really interesting things about Wreck is that these these zombies are not quite zombies, at least in the way we've come to see them, in the Walking Dead sense of a zombie. Uh, towards the end of the film, uh, our, our you know our surviving protagonists find a tape recorder, and it's and it's the record of get this a Vatican secret agent there to extract an enzyme from a child because that enzyme is the biological marker for demonic possession. Yeah, it's it's a lot a lot going on here. A lot going on here. Yes. But one quick point, one quick point that I think we should um, kind of uh, talk about is this sort of anti-Catholicism is incredibly classically gothic. Like that, you know. It oh yeah. Go, oh, it's a, that's a, that's a bit weird. But no, like gothic and horror stories have been have been talking about the secret agents of the Vatican since literally the 1790s, mm-hmm. so if not way before. So that, in a way, is a really kind of classic part of gothic horror, of of a classic part of the gothic, but but put into a horror setting. And there was one other one other thing to kind of bring up, which is like how the different flavors of zombie that you can have, right? So. We can have our biomedical um, zombie, where you know it's a medical experiment. It's the um, it's the Umbrella Corporation. It's the military doing weird stuff. It's the rage virus. We can have the the nuclear zombie, where they're mutated by nuclear radiation. Um, we can um, have the cosmic rays zombie that brings the dead uh, uh, back uh, to life, and then we have the religious zombie. Um, you don't see a huge amount of those. You don't see a huge amount of those. It's it's something that's very kind of well ingrained in the zombie history. You know the idea of white zo- the white white zombie. The um, uh, Bela Lugosi horror film from the thirties mm-hmm. talks about voodoo and uh, indigenous magic in the uh, Caribbean. But this is this is maybe the first. Can you think of any other Catholic zombies? I, I cannot I cannot think of any other like isn't magical that, isn't that magical religious zombies that are expressly Catholic like these are. I know, right? That's such a cool that's such a cool thing. I just imagine a bunch of zombies like going to mass. <laughs> uh, um but yeah, I haven't I haven't I, I, I really like that that's an interesting way of combining something that's very classically gothic, which is anti-Catholicism and um, putting it into a brand new horror context which is found footage which is very um, uh, very contemporary and it's combining these two things in a really interesting way um, and what I what I really like about that is that it shows the endless kind of hybridity of these really classic gothic ideas and the way in which they constantly find um, new expression depending upon the context into which you put them yeah, I completely agree with that. I really liked the weird religious twist at the end of this film. It definitely uh, breaks it out of the very tired uh, biomedical zombie mode, right? We have a lot of virus zombies, a lot of uh, parasite zombies. 
but I think it's definitely it's definitely time if we're to stick with zombies. I really think we need to revisit the original modality, right? Because magical and or religious zombies are were the first. Like the, the, these are the ur zombies from which our idea of zombies generates, right? And like when when Romero first made Night of the Living Dead, which reshaped our modern understanding of zombies, he originally intended them to be just ghouls, not mm, not yeah. zombies in the I walked with a zombie sense. But yeah, branding is branding. <laughs> Here we yeah, are today. And, and, and it worked. <laughs> and it worked, you know. Um, I think that's what makes them uh, so endlessly kind of recyclable. And I think we are going to see this happen again, right? We're going to see it happen uh, probably not this year, but I think within the next five years we're going to see a kind of boom in this kind of topic mainly because as we've um as we've said this is a way of processing a trauma um and i think that's what's going to happen we're going to see a, a resurgence of the viral viral horror yeah i i definitely agree i, th- I think and more broadly you know like horror horror loves to play with the edges of social condition and the the last month or two has just been like fear, economic collapse, personal isolation. It's been all of these, this concoction of things together. And it's going to be really interesting to see going forward how this changes the horror landscape. Yeah, I can. I completely agree. I completely agree. Good. <laughs> Agree- agreeing with me is part of your contractual obligation to uh, Order Vanguard LLC. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to take this up with the podcasters' union. <laughs> um, should we Should we wrap things up there? I think uh, yeah, that's about. Yeah, I think that's, that's, I think about this, that's about twenty this, uh, this twenty minutes pandemic mini episode. Um, if you've never seen it, it's a it's a really good, it's it it is full of like real sharp shocks to the system, um, and the found footage kind of form, which was like very really popular from like two thousand seven to about two thousand thirteen, is a really interesting sub genre. Um, no, found footage. Found uh, footage is some of the best horror we have. Is found footage. Yeah, absolutely. I am, I am patiently awaiting my copy of the McPherson tape to arrive. Uh, I I cannot wait. Uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that coming. <laughs> but very, yes, everyone, very uh, thank you soon. for listening to this week's pandemic mini episode. Uh, remember, get to know your neighbors. Uh, that will help you in the event of a parasitic enzyme that leads to demonic possession that is being involuntarily <laughs> spread by the Catholic Church um, or perhaps more uh, prescient and realistic conditions. Um, but yes, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, we uh, hope that you are safe and healthy and able to connect with those that you love and care for. Thanks for tuning in, creeps. And remember, stay spooky. <laughs>